and all that sort of stuff. We do start a new series today, and it's called Be Rich. Now, some of you are going, oh, church is going to talk about money. Yeah, we are, but we're going to talk about it in a right way. So this is not, um, this is not a series around the prosperity gospel, because I struggle with some of the things that people talk about when it comes to the prosperity gospel. However, we do preach a gospel that is prosperous. Come on. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be rich because I think we have wrong thinking, wrong theology around what actually God talks about in regards to money. And we need to understand that. And here's the crazy thing. You'd be like, well, why are you talking about it? You know that Jesus talked about money more than anything else in all the Gospels. It's really quiet this morning. He talked about it more than anything else because he understood that money is probably the biggest barrier in our lives for intimacy with him. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, you understand. But you'll find through Scripture as we get to it for this morning, as I lay a bit of a foundation for what's going to happen over the next... Uh, three weeks. I want you to understand that what God tells us to be rich in is very, very different to what we think rich is. And before I say anything else, you need to also understand that you are rich. Okay, if you own a car, put your hand up. If you own a car, come on, everybody that owns a car, put your hand up. That puts you in the top 3% wealthiest people in the world. Put your hand up if you own two cars. You're now in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world. Now, I know some of you might be struggling financially based on here living in New Zealand, but the reality is, I can tell you now that what we have here in this country, even if we consider ourselves to be poor, we are far, far richer than in a lot of countries all over the world. Talk to Sarah and Sanjeet about what poverty looks like in South Africa, and you'll understand that in our country, we're a lot more wealthier than we ever realize that we are. We are already rich. We are already blessed. The Bible says this, that God pours out blessings upon us, and, and, his, and he adds to our riches. And, and the problem is we interpret rich as being just about money, but it's so much more than that. There's the richness of his grace. There's the richness of his mercy. There's the richness of all those things. And being rich is not just about the almighty dollar. It's about being rich in all the areas of our lives that God wants us to be rich in. And But this morning, we're going to hit it off by talking about being rich in what actually really matters. And so you have to understand that when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to talking about money, it's not so much about how much you have, but it's about what you do with what you have that really matters to God. You see, it's easier for us to put our hope in what we have than to put our hope in God. Uh, and I'm just going to be real with you this morning. There have been plenty of occasions in my life, and I know there has been in your life, where I've trusted more in my wallet than I have to God to come through for me. Come on. Let's just be honest. We all do that. We've all been there. And the problem is, is that the world wants us to actually serve money. The enemy wants us to actually serve money. The world wants us to serve money rather than serving God. And you'll be like, what do you mean by serving money? Well, in Matthew 6, 24, this is Jesus speaking. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the only time in all of Scripture that Jesus talks about 
a master other than him. Do you know that nowhere in scripture does it say you cannot serve two masters, you cannot serve the God and devil. You cannot serve God and the devil. It doesn't ever say that anywhere. He doesn't compare Satan, the devil, whatever, to being a master like he is. What he says here is that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve two masters. Either God's your master or money's your master. You cannot serve both. And Jesus said that you can't serve God and money because Jesus would argue, and I would argue, it's because money is an attractive false god to every single one of us. Money is an attractive false god. Jesus knew that, that money would be the number one competitor to him for your heart. That's why he said there's two masters in this world, there's him or there's money, and he understood that if money is your master, it's the biggest competitor for your heart. It's actually your heart that is after, not your money. Money and things and the promise of what it can buy will be the number one competitor for your heart. So why is money such an attractive false god to us? Because money promises what only God can provide. Let me, let me give you a couple of things. There's a whole lot of things that money promises you that only God can provide, but here's two for you this morning. The first one is this, is money promises happiness. If I just have a little bit more money, if I just had enough money, then I'll be happy. The second thing that money promises is security. If I just had enough, then I'll be secured. You know, like I'd have a house and, I have a, and I'll be secure. I'll be all right. I'll be, protect, I'll be secure. Money promises happiness and money promises security. If I just had a little bit more, then, then I would be happy. If I just had the latest iPhone, then I'll be happy. If I just had a new house or a new car, then I would be happy. It doesn't matter how much you have. The reality is only God provides everlasting joy. You can get more stuff, but you're still going to want more stuff and more stuff because money doesn't provide happiness. Only God provides lasting joy through his son, Jesus Christ. And what we don't want to have is happiness in our lives. We want to have the joy of the Lord in our lives because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Happiness comes and goes because it's based on your emotions, where the joy is based on him and who he is. And so money promises joy, but it doesn't provide it. We also have this belief that if I, if I just had enough money, I, I'd be secure. If I, if I could just clear all of my debt, then I'll be all right. Or if I just made twice as much as I currently do, I'd feel secure. How many people would love to make twice as much as what you currently do? Yeah, I, I got my hand up too. But here's the thing. All you have to do, all you have to do is get a whole lot of money and have someone that you know that is very, very, very close to you get really, really sick. And you'll realize that your money can do nothing to solve that. Yeah. Suddenly, you realize your security does not come from what money buys, but your security comes from who God is. Money promises what only God can provide. And you might be like, well, Craig, I don't really serve money. I would gently argue with you that if you have brought something you didn't need with money you didn't have to, impro to impress people you didn't like, then you have a money problem. Don't look at me like that. We've all been there and we've all done that. 
If you've compromised on your integrity or cheated on your expense report or you've downloaded music or a movie that you did not pay for or you told your 16-year-old that he's 11 when you went to Rainbow's End because he looks 11 and it's cheaper. (laughs) You are serving money. If you've ever neglected your family trying to earn more money, then I would argue that you're under the power of money because your family doesn't need more money, your family needs more of you. See, it's a false God that is promising what only God can provide. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 18, which is the core verses that we're going to use through this whole series, Paul says this to Timothy, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in their wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I love that. Provides everything for our enjoyment. God, God's not stingy. God's not like wants you to live on used tea bags that they used to send to missionaries overseas. For your enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Notice that he says here, command them. This is actually a really serious thing. He's not saying suggest to them that they do this or suggest to them that they do that, but it's like command them to do this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in their wealth, which is uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides. Command them to do good. Command them to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. He's really making a very huge statement here. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, this could be a good thing. He's like, you've got to command these people to do this. This is what they need to do. This is a kingdom principle. And we, how many people know we live by kingdom principles, not my personal preferences? And this is a kingdom principle. Command them to do this. And we'll see a little bit later why he commands us to do this. But you understand that there's a good thing. But the problem is, is that we understand and we can read this scripture and we go, hey man, that's really cool. But money screams at us, doesn't it? It screams at us and it says, if you have more of me, you'll be happy. If you have more of me, you'll be significant. If you have more of me, you'll be secure. And so we have this battle between two masters. And people who love and trust money never have enough. People who love and trust money never have enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Kind of sums it up really, doesn't it? Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. You see, if we're always wanting more, if you're always wanting more, I can promise you this. It doesn't matter how big your stack gets, it won't be enough you'll want more. You'll want more. If you love and trust money, let me ask you this question. How much do you need to be happy? How big does your stack need to get for you to feel secure? I'll answer that for you. A little bit more than what you currently have. And that's the same answer every time. If I just had a little bit more than I currently have. A little bit more than I currently have. And it doesn't matter how much you get, because you're always wanting a little bit more 
than what you currently have. You always need more. And here's the reality. A lot of us have a whole lot more today than we had 10 years ago. But what you had 10 years ago wasn't enough. And what you have now is not enough. And you'll get more later on and it won't be enough because it's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's what Jesus calls the deceitfulness of riches. It's promising something he can never deliver. Proverbs 18.11 says this, the rich think their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. The rich think their wealth is a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Here's a key word in that, imagine. They imagine that their wealth has created safety for them, a high wall of safety, but it's only their imagination. We're imagining that if our stack is big enough, we'll be happy, we'll be secure, but it's the deceitfulness of riches that Jesus talks about. It promises something it cannot provide. And if it hasn't gotten personal yet for you, then just hang on. I think I'm getting to you sooner or later, and I'm going to offend everybody today because we're an equal offending opportunity church. All right? Second thing is, people who love trust money, they find it increasingly difficult to give big. They find it increasingly difficult to give big. Some of you here, you'd love to give big, but this is your thought. You feel like you can't afford it. See, we think big as in how much, but we're going to find out soon that God thinks big is the heart, not the amount. You would love to tithe because you really want to worship God with the first 10% of your income, and that's why we give. We don't give to get, we give because it's part of our worship and trust in our Savior. You believe in what God is doing in the church, and you love what God is doing in the life of this church, and you'd love to see the church do more, and the reality is every church on the face of this planet is only restricted by two things, money and people resource. It's the only thing that slows the church down. And the crazy thing is, is that God decided in his wisdom that the only way to fund the church is for you and I. To fund his vision, to fund his mission, to fund people getting saved in our community, he decided in his wisdom that it would be reliant on you and I having big enough hearts to part with some of our cash to see lives transformed. He, 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 he decided in his wisdom that he was going to rely on you and I not to be selfish but to be generous so that lives could be transformed. I think God's mad, but that's my personal view because I know how hard it is for me to part. Is it getting a little bit real this morning? You'd like to see God do more in the church, but you just feel like you can't afford to do it. You see someone in need and you really, really want to help them out, but you feel like you just can't afford it because in your mind, your stack is not big enough. And here's the crazy thing. It has been proven over and over again through studies and statistics that the bigger the stack is, the smaller percentage that people give. It's actually been proved worldwide that the people that are the most generous are the people that have the least, not the people that have the most. And the people that have the least are the ones that give the most 
But when you have a big stack and you don't give much, that's not how to be rich at what really matters. That's not how to be rich and how to honor God. That's how to be selfish and being bad at being rich. In fact, Jesus didn't really care about the amounts. He cared about the heart, as I said earlier. And there's a story of a woman. It's called the widow's mite. And there's this widow and she's got no money, nothing at all. And the Pharisees come in and the offering bucket goes around and the Pharisees are like, you know, throwing the cash around and, and she comes along and, and all she has is like two pennies and she puts those two pennies into the offering. Here's the crazy thing about that offering that she puts it into. That was considered the widow's and orphan offering. So they'll take up an offering during the service and that people will put money into it and then at the end of the service, the orphans and the widows would line up, say, outside the pastor's office and they would distribute that money to them so that they could buy food and survive. She's putting money into the very thing that she's going to get something out of. It doesn't make sense for her to put in two pennies because she's just going to get the two pennies back. She might as well hold on to it. Maybe she understood something that you can't get something back from something that you're not prepared to sow into. And what Jesus turns around is he says, I've seen all the Pharisees, I've seen how much money they put into the offering, but I'm telling you this, she's the star. She's the star, not because of how much she gave, but because she gave all of it because of her heart. Because of her heart. Jesus is impressed by her giving her all. How could someone whose stack was so small give her all? How could someone do that? How could she do that? I would suggest to you that the reason that she could do that is because she wasn't trusting in her stack, but she was trusting in him who richly provides all of her needs. She was trusting in God. She knew that her stack wasn't enough to do what she needed it to do. So she trusted in her Savior. She trusted in Jehovah Jireh, her provider. She trusted in the one that she could trust in because his stack is endless. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything in the world. God is not restricted in any way. And she understood, I don't have enough, but if I put it into the hands of God, if I sow into him, then he'll give it back to me, 80, 20, or whatever, a hundredfold, pressed down, shaking together, running out all over. She understood she couldn't trust in her stack. She had to trust in his stack. What we tend to do is we tend to say things like, once my debt is paid down, then I'll give. Or once I get a wage rise, then I'll give. I'll give when, and dot, 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 dot. All the reasons why we've got as to when we're going to give later. Can I suggest to you, don't give later, give now. We'll give now. Why? Because we're blessed now. You're blessed now. You're blessed when you came in. You're blessed when you go out. You're blessed now. You're blessed tomorrow. You're blessed next week. You're blessed next month. You're blessed next year. You are blessed. The Bible says that you are blessed. You have been blessed by God. And we'll give generously because we truly believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we actually truly believe that it is better to give than receive. It's better to be a blessing. It's better to bless others than to be blessed ourselves. I know. 
know, I know some of you are struggling with this right now, but it's actually in the Bible. And as followers of Jesus, we're actually meant to believe what it says. And follow it. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to consume upon ourselves, but we're blessed to be a blessing to others. Why? Because we're rich. We're richer than we realize because God pours out his blessings upon us. We're not going to just build a stack. We're going to trust him who richly provides. And he tells us to be rich in our good deeds. He tells us to be generous and to be willing to share. And that's what we are going to do. That is what we need to do, every single one of us, because we're not going to suck at being rich. Because our community doesn't need us to suck at it. We're going to be good at being rich and what matters the most. And if you want to get excited at any point, this is probably the time. Because that, that's the kind of rich that honors God. That's how we have a life that is truly life. And the problem is, is that the stuff, the money always says, hey, it's all about me. It's all about me. If you have enough of me, you'll be happy. The problem is, if you love money, you'll never have enough. Problem is, if you love money, you'll find it increasingly difficult to give beat because you just can't part with it because you think you need it. Can I just say this in the middle of all of this because some of you are feeling really uncomfortable at the moment. Can I just say... A huge, huge, well done church. 2020, the year of COVID, when all sorts of churches' incomes dropped by 30, 40%. Some of the big churches in our nation had to lay off staff, had to do all sorts of things because they lost huge amount of income because people stopped giving. In 2020, you, amazing, revived Pukekohe people, you actually increased your giving by 8%. So you guys are awesome, and you're amazing, and you're doing incredibly well, but some of you haven't even started yet, and you need to, because it's about putting him first in every area of our lives. People who love and trust money have money in the bank, but no peace in their heart. People who love and trust money have money in the bank, but no peace in our heart. Well, Craig, that's nice, but I actually don't have a lot of money in the bank. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean by that. It's not, it's not so much that. It's like you've got some toys in your garage. Yes? I've I got a set of golf clubs in my garage that I've only just started using for, after five years. This, this person in the front row, who's meant to be the love of my life, tried to convince me to sell them several occasions. I said to say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> it's just a joke. But we all have toys in our garages, don't we? And then God doesn't have a problem with wealth. Okay, let me, let me say that really, really clearly. God doesn't have a problem with wealth. What he has a problem with is what we do with it. 
What is our heart behind it? Have you got this amazing, beautiful house that you could host a whole lot of people and bless a whole lot of people, but you never have them over because it's got to be like a five-star hotel and you walk around with a glove on checking to see if there's dust in your house? Friend, that house owns you. You don't own it. You've all got clothes in the closet. You know those ones that you wear once in a blue moon? That's if, guys, you actually allowed any clothes in your closet. We've all got food in our cabinets. You're blessed. You are blessed. And if you love it, you can have all this stuff, but you won't have any peace in your heart. In Proverbs 15, 16, it says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth of turmoil. It's better have a little bit and a lot of God than have a lot of stuff and a little of God. With great wealth comes great problems. You know, it's people, I, I meet people that, that don't have church buildings and they say to me, oh, you're so blessed to have a church building like you have and we are. But the cost to upkeep a church building, the reality is that we have a car park that's way too small to build a new car park to accommodate everybody that's coming in. There are costs attached to all of this. It is a blessing, but it doesn't come cheap. Better a little of the fear of the law than great wealth and turmoil. Great wealth creates great problems because the more you have, the harder it is to depend on God. It distracts us from our true priorities because it creates all sorts of opportunities for us that we wouldn't have in any other way that distracts us and can sometimes pull us away. It may, you may not be a billionaire and you may not be a millionaire, but you're still rich. And when we continue to put our hope and money, it takes us off track of what matters most. And let me just say this as lovingly as I can, because this is a little bit in your face for you, what I'm about to say, but I say it because... I care, and my role here as your pastor is to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Some of you right now, you make more money than your parents have ever made. You make more than you ever thought that you would, and yet you're still financially strapped, and you're still miserable, and you're still thinking that I need more. And the reason why you are still strapped is because you consume everything that God gives you. And there are also people in this room that probably earn a third of what you earn and they're not strapped. And they look at people like you and they think to themselves, how can you be so financially stressed when you've got so much more? And the people that had less than you that aren't under stress, it's because they've realized it's better to live on less and it's better to be a blessing, and it's better not to buy into the deceitfulness of riches. The bottom line is, if you honestly believe that more money will solve most of your problems, you are under the influence of money, because more money will not solve most of your problems. What will solve your problems is not more money. What will solve your problems is more of Jesus. 
what will solve your problems is more of him. More of Jesus will solve your problem because more money won't get your kids off drugs. More money is not going to make your marriage better. More money won't make you love each other more because if you don't love each other now with no money, you won't love each other then with money. More money is not going to cure the person that you love of cancer, but more of Jesus will. More of Jesus will heal the sick. More of Jesus will heal your marriage. More of Jesus will get your kids off drugs. More of Jesus will because more Jesus brings intimacy, it brings healing, it brings focus, it brings power, it brings purpose, and it brings the divine into the world. What we need is more of Jesus. And so instead of saying, I need more money, what we actually need to start saying is, I need more Jesus. I need more of Christ. I need more of his purpose. I want more of his direction. I want less of me and more of him. I don't want to be distracted by the things that do not last. I want to use what he's given me for his glory. I don't need more money. I need more of Jesus. And therefore, I'm not going to wait to give later. I'm going to give now because I've already been blessed. And whatever level you are, whatever going big means to you, give big wherever you are. Be generous now. Don't you dare walk around with a whole lot of money in the bank and no peace in your heart. Because Jesus is the peace that surpasses all understanding. And if you lack peace in your heart, it's because you're lacking him in your heart. We're not going to serve money. We're going to serve God. And what we're going to do is we're going to learn that money serves us as we serve God. Because God has blessed us with so much more than what we need. We are rich. I'll get the musicians and the singers to come. Please. Let me read to you again 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Because this, these are the verses that all of this series bounces off. It says this command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Listen to this. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If you do these things, you will lay up treasure for yourselves, which are a firm foundation for this coming age. In other words, for eternity so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And He understands this, that the battle for your heart kind of centers around whether you're going to serve money or serve Him. Whether you're going to use money for His kingdom or whether money's going to use you. And what He's saying is if you would do, if you would do this, if you wouldn't trust in your riches, but you trust in the one who richly provides. If you just not be generous 
with your money, but you'll be generous in your deeds, that you'll be generous in the things that you do, that you're storing up for yourselves treasures which are in heaven, which are a firm foundation so that you can take hold of the life that is truly life. The life that is truly life. Let let me explain something to you so that you understand. When you die, eternity is a very, 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 very long time. This life that we live here, the Bible says it's like a, it's like a breath. It's like a, and it's gone. In other words, let's put it this way. Let's let's pretend. I get my phone here. My phone here represents life here on earth. That's how long we live here on earth. Once we we die and we meet our Savior. Eternity just goes on and 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 on. Okay, it never ends. Are you with me? The thing that is crazy is what we do in this short moment determines what we do in the eternity moment. And some of us are so caught up with this life here that we're not living with eternity in mind. And so we become all about the here and now instead of the then and there. The Bible says, just don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, which are just wood, honey, and stubble, and they end up burning away. But do those things which create precious stones, things that are of great importance. And this is what the scripture is saying here. Don't trust in your wealth, but in the one who truly blesses and make sure that you're rich in good deeds, that you're generous and that you're willing to share because friend, that's what sets you up for eternity, a life that is truly life. What you do in the here and now affects your there and then. Why don't we just close our eyes? Just.